Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Stop comparing yourself to others and plug into what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And... Have fun doing it. Your personality is your business. So let's get down to business. Hey, Difference Maker. Today I'm, air quotes, getting high with Jerry Potter, host of the podcast, Social Media for Streamlined Entrepreneurs. Jerry always makes me laugh, whether or not he means to, but I also love hearing his wisdom. And in this episode, Jerry gave me my own light bulb moment. It was a total dopamine hit, and I sort of wish you could see the look on my face when I connected to what he was saying to me. Of course, I couldn't fit the whole conversation in one episode, and, you know, I think this may just have to be a thing, like a twofer, all of season two, double the fun with each guest host. So this is part one. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when part two drops in your podcast app since it won't be on a normal episode dropping day. Let's listen in. So today I am talking with Jerry Potter. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. I am too. Before we get started, go ahead and let the listeners know a little bit about your podcast. So um, I'm a... I guess you should know I'm a huge psychology geek up front. So I love this stuff and just humans in general. And I actually spent most of my career as a radio personality and I didn't understand it at the time, but I was really, the thing I loved about radio 
was it was relating to other people and understanding how they, you know, communicate. And uh, once it was time for a career change, I delved into the social media space, which was sort of the, the new modern media, obviously, and, and had this knack for marketing and social media marketing. So I'm also a big efficiency geek. So I started a YouTube channel called Five Minute Social Media and now a podcast, which again, focuses on getting the most out of social media for your business or whatever you're trying to promote. And it is called Social Media for Streamlined Entrepreneurs. Yeah, this, and it's a great podcast I highly recommend. If you're a business owner, go subscribe to that. Awesome, make sure you listen, you. make sure you listen to episode one. I, I think <laughs> I think somebody that I I know is featured in that one. <laughs> I, but at this point you may be in more than one. I can't remember all of them, <laughs> Okay. So today we're talking a little bit about um or a lot about my book that just was released in December. And I wanted to reach out with you because we always have fun talking about psychology and just how the brain works. And you've recommended books to me that I have just devoured about <laughs> brains. In fact, a lot of my sources are books that um, you recommended to me. So I really acknowledge you for that. And I wanted to look more, get your take on the psychology part of it. And well, just tell me what was your first reaction to the book? Well, I, first of all, the the photo of your son, Ryan, rolling pizza on a counter in his diaper was worth building a book around. And I don't know if that was your original inspiration, but <laughs> I saw that picture. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so literally the whole book could have been about anything around that. But the point of the book, of course, was about a lot of other things. And I think that, you know, the the, the most powerful thing about the book is helping us become self-aware and not only just self-aware of ourselves, but I don't know if self-aware is the right term, but aware of what other people are going through or talking about or experiencing the experience gap, as you described it. You know, when you told the story about your date to the dance and how, you know, your experience or your perception of what was happening was completely different than what your date's perception of what was happening, even though you were obviously in the same place at the exact same time. And I think that that is literally one of the most powerful tools that we can have to be more successful at everything in life, you know, business, parenting, um, anything, you know, if you're a coach or anything like that, is just simply being aware of, you know, first of all, self-awareness, your own strengths and weaknesses and how to play on those. But, but being aware that, you know, everybody else is going through different things. And it's one of those things where if you look at all the conflict and the problems in the world. It, you, I sometimes wonder if, if everybody could be elevated to that you know, realizing that what the other person's perception is different than yours, you know, would it be a happier place or a more peaceful place? I mean, there'll always be conflict. This is not some you know sort of uh, fake fantasy, but that, that piece alone is, I, I love just the fact that you're bringing this to the forefront to, you know, get people talking about that alone. Um, I, it's interesting because I kept thinking about not only my clients and, and members in my business, but also my kids. And it, it, I, I'm guilty a lot of just assuming that my, you know, tiny humans, as I call them, are, you know, the same as I was when I was a kid, you know, and it's like, when I was a kid, I was doing this, why don't they think this? Or why don't they think that it was just a, a good reminder of, of being aware of not only ourselves, but that everybody else has a different perspective on everything. Yeah, I actually have a story in the book about when Eric was born. <laughs> how I decorated his 
nursery to be outdoorsy and naturey, like because <laughs> he's my kid, right? So he right. like this kind of stuff, and it didn't actually turn out that way. Um, he may or may not be in the basement right now, <laughs> not outside. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Enjoying the inside, and so so that was. I mean, overall, that was. I think the theme that I think is so powerful for so many people, and that that I you know I would love to see the entire population of the world understand that or at least even becoming aware of it right in some way and so um so that was great i and i have to be honest it, it's um the book's very smart to the point where i was like oh god i don't know if i'm qualified to talk about this you know because i know you are talking to enneagram experts and things like that as well and so as i was reading through it it was kind of like okay i have to understand this and then i have to be able to speak it but it i liked that because it kind of forced me to really process um, everything that was in there. And your stories that you tell throughout the book are so powerful. And so none of them felt forced. I don't know if you've ever read a book where you're kind of like, they're like, all right, let me jam this personal story in here. And it doesn't tie into the point at all. But yours were on point uh, for all of that. So that was really enjoyable too. Thank you. I appreciate that. They're they're kind of raw. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people can relate a lot of times to the the rawness sometimes of a story, especially when it comes to personality and our perceptions and then having that realization that, oh, I didn't know myself as well as I thought I did. Because sometimes we can trick ourselves, like our brain tricks ourselves into believing we know ourselves. And when we talk about other people, like you were talking about coaching other people and, and your students and, and that kind of thing. I have, I have coaches that I coach that say, I have a type nine, for example. Um, I have a type nine client and I just don't really know how to coach them. You know, what, what is it that I can do? And, you know, that's the service that I provide to help coaches with. But right. in all honesty, it's, it's handy to know to, save your frustration, but a good coach really starts with yourself and being able to be in touch with the different parts of yourself, which surprise, that's what the Enneagram teaches us because there are the parts that are hidden within us that we all have the potential to become. We all have access to that. It just may not necessarily come naturally to us. And when we can access those pieces of us, then we are able to more intuitively get along with other people without having to put them in a box and go, oh, they're a type nine <laughs> or yeah. they're a type three. Then I need to behave this way. No, learn to behave who you are according to your own motivations, which is what the Enneagram, your core Enneagram type informs you of. And then you have a much, much more genuine rapport with other people because you're being yourself. It's so much less, less effort. Yeah. Well, and as you talked through the nine acknowledgement languages in the book too, it's, it was, you know, it became very apparent to where, because I'll be honest, I started the book and it was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I need to, you know, figure out my type and then I can be a better person or whatever it might be. And, and as I read through, it was, I realized, okay, first of all, I'm the person that Jen's making fun of who, you know, Googles the quiz and, <laughs> and says, you know, hey, you're this. And you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds right. And then we end up, you know, sabotaging ourselves. But, but the, the bigger thing beyond that is 
as I read through the acknowledgement languages and, and especially the stories and things that you shared, it was it was it was apparent that we should not understand just our type. But I think that's where everybody starts, right? As, as I'm sure you can back up through all of your work in in this space, is we just go, okay, this is what I'm like. Um, some people that are in sales sometimes will try and learn different personality types, and but even then they're trying to pigeonhole, right? Mm-hmm. I met a sales guy once, and and we were talking about uh, personality tests, which I don't consider myself an expert on at all. But I forget which one it was, but he was like, oh, no, I don't like the Enneagram. That's too many different, too many different types of people. I just, there's, there's, and I, it was, he wanted one that only had three or four types of people. Cause he was like, I don't have time to figure out that many people. <laughs> and I was kind of thinking like, well, everybody's different, but it's so valuable to know what everybody around you is doing. And it obviously helps you as well, whether you are a mentor or a coach, uh, or you're just, even if you're being selfish and trying to, you know, build your own gains that makes such a difference and and the thing that i found helpful as i was reading through and and as i've learned more about this is you know finding people in my life that it's like oh that sounds like you know joe or that sounds like you know karina or whatever it might be mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of times when we do that we're going straight to the behaviors and i think that's where it gets really tricky um because people who have studied the enneagram for a while we get lost, and I'm including myself in the, into this, we get lost into the behaviors because once we figure out um, what type we are, of course, I wasn't right. <laughs> the first time I thought I knew what type I was. So our mindset is like, let me figure out what type I am, and then I'll look at the other types and then figure everybody else out, which in truth, they're all just pieces of us that we're trying to figure out within ourselves. Mm. They're just buried in our unconscious. Our our brain decided that it wasn't a useful tool to use. It's like, okay, I've got a hammer and a spoon. Which one am I going to use to eat ice cream? (laughs) Either is fine. (laughs) Yes, you can use either, right? But one's going to be more effective. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I like that you brought that up again, because even as I was thinking about, you know, people I know that fit these, you're right. I was even still thinking about their behaviors instead of their motivations, which again, goes against everything that you said in the book. So it's uh, speaking of blind spots, um, yeah. but it, it's, it, I do sometimes, you know, like I said, I, I thought a lot about um, parenting because I feel like, you know, kids are the ones and especially mine that I feel like I'm trying to figure out still all the time. And so there are times where I'll look, especially my older one, who's 11, you know, going on 15 and, and I'll step back and I'll think, why would he do that? You know, why would he say that? Um, and at the same time, it's I'll I'll sometimes step in and if it's something his brother did or his mom did or anything like that, I'll say to him, you know, why do you think that she did that? You know, and it's like, well, could, he doesn't like me. Like, no, that's not why. <laughs> I don't think that's why. Let's talk about that some more. And so I loved how much of the book you focused on. Well, and just in general, that our personalities are, you know, motivation driven and mm-hmm. and how powerful that is. And with that example with your son, um, it's interesting because as we grow, we mature. As we experience life, we mature. And our first gut reaction is a, is a conscious aware reaction. It's like, because he doesn't like me, right? It's, it's not necessarily a quote unquote mature answer. It's, that's easy to say for 11 year old, but right. we're always maturing, <laughs> right? And so every with every experience we gain, more learning and we gain more character and maturing and our answers become deeper 
And I'd say that because I don't want people listening, thinking, well, I'm not very deep. Well, you get deep by starting at the surface. So explore the surface and then go a little deeper and then go a little deeper. Just keep asking why until you reach something that hits so hard to your core that you can't say why anymore. It's like, well, it's just because. (laughs) And then that becomes a core value. Yeah. So basically our inner three-year-old, why, 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 (laughs) why? (laughs) Yeah. That's how you go deep, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now, you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. I'm glad you said that because... (laughs) We need to let our three-year-olds do that. We do yeah. that. Well, I do. I'm not going to speak for you. <laughs> I would get really annoyed. I was like, just trust me, okay? Because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think we need to channel our own inner three-year-olds to to do that sometimes. And, it, you know, it, it, I, think, I think there's danger to that. I'm a classic overthinker. And so, you know, I could sit there and dwell on a problem for days and days and days. And, and I've you know, built my own systems to to counter that. But at the same time, it's always good to ask why or what next or what happens that. I think that's so powerful for so many things in our lives because a lot of times we do just go that one layer deep, which is not deep at all. And, uh, and we're missing the point or the other solution that we need. Yeah. So in business, because you are the social media expert, I was thinking about like the knowledge of psychology and how the brain works probably really helps you with what you do? Oh, big time. And it wasn't something that I originally realized. Um, Years ago, when I worked at an agency, which was my first job after working in radio, we had a new client come in. And, you know, the two owners were kind of trying to 
you know, please him and, and win the business and all that kind of stuff. And we all went out to a lunch and, and then he basically said to them, I want Jerry to work on my account. I like the way his mind works. He's got a mind for marketing. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but it was kind of, he was sort of the first person to recognize that in me, I guess. And it wasn't until later though, that I realized that marketing is all psychology mm-hmm. and, and, um, and not psychology. You know, sometimes people think about, you know, marketing psychology as in, well, they play this music in the store, so I'll buy more. Or, you know, the music's loud at Abercrombie and Fitch for this reason. Or they put the milk at the back of the store to manipulate me into buying more things when I just need milk. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But that's not what this level of psychology is about. And this, especially when, with social media, it's just about people and the way that we relate and communicate with each other. And it wasn't until later where I, I realized that I had a knack for that because I've always loved psychology. I took lots of psych, you know, not a psych major or anything like that. It was just kind of like, oh, do I have an elective to take? I'll take, uh, I'll take another psychology class. And, um, you know, sometimes sociology on a, to get a different angle on things. So I've always liked that, but it's so helpful in marketing. And, and by the way, I didn't say this at the beginning. Congratulations on writing a book. That's huge. That's amazing. Um, I've thought about it. And for, for a long time, I thought I couldn't write a book about social media. Because by the time it came out, it would be out of date, right? It'd be like, hey, my book's out. And then it'd be like, hey, so today, uh, the book came out yesterday. Today, we released the second edition. We'll release the third edition tomorrow, right? Because social media changes so fast. But then I stepped back and I realized most of what I've been teaching and coaching for the last several years hasn't changed. And that's when I realized that most of it is because it's rooted in people being people. And humans being humans, and maybe the tool changes, but it's not a an algorithm change or anything like that. And so, psychology is, you know, almost everything for what I do. And that's something that people are often surprised by. You know, if if somebody comes into work with me or comes into one of my programs and they're saying, you know, what time of day should I post? And I say, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? You know, their their reality is shocked. And it's, it's like well, five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, but even for a local business, now s- certainly, you know, 4 p.m. is not necessarily the best time to advertise breakfast if you're a breakfast spot. But in general, you know, social media platforms show good content around the clock. It doesn't matter when you put it up. And so that's why that's a question that doesn't matter anymore. And then it comes down to more like, okay, well, you know, who is your client and, and, or customer and what's the problem they have that you solve. And it's all, it's all about psychology and the way that we communicate with them and very little about, you know, what time we post or an algorithm or any of that stuff in the grand scheme of things. Like nobody ever went from posting at, you know, from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And all of a sudden their revenue, you know, grew 10 times bigger. Like, wow, I cracked it, you know. <laughs> when people and even if me, they did, it'd be different tomorrow. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Some people will be like, so what's the secret to the algorithm? And I used to, I, I, I tend to be sarcastic sometimes, but when people don't know me, it doesn't come across that way. So now it's mostly with my family, but sometimes I'll pull people over and I'll say, all right, so I was talking to Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook once, right? And he said, if you post, two and a half times per week, all your posts will be favored. <laughs> They'd say, how do I post two and a half times per week? Well, that's the problem. Can't be done. So <laughs> let's just, you know, forget about all that. And it was, uh, it was more amusing for me than others. So I don't really do that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I appreciate but, that kind of humor. <laughs> but psychology is everything in marketing and business, because ultimately it's all around people. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm a B2B business. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a business who markets to other businesses. And it's like, okay, well, who runs those businesses? People. Are they people? <laughs> yeah. right. It's all business to people. 
And that's the important thing to uh, keep in mind. Yeah. So before I was more in the coaching role and more in the sales role, I would always say this is a relationship business. Like people, people don't buy your product. They buy you. They want to buy from you. And so that by that time from you, your expertise, your energy, your, you know, whatever it is that they associate with you and your personality. And so relationships are everything. And I kind of wish I got that sooner. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm, what I'm learning. So what I'm learning and what I teach and pass on to my students and my coaches is that the more whole we are, the more in touch we are with the different pieces of our own personality, even those hidden pieces. And the Enneagram shows us those pieces. That's why I think it's kind of weird. So I kind of resisted being an Enneagram coach for the longest time because I know, right? (laughs) I'm not even sure I've, I've said that publicly, but here I am saying it now. I resisted it because I didn't want to pigeonhole people. I didn't want people. I didn't want to put people in boxes. I didn't want people to think that they could stay in that box. I'm trying to get them out of the box. At first, I didn't realize it was even a box. I just thought it was a tool and that it was helpful. And and then I noticed other people putting themselves in boxes and other people in boxes. And then I noticed I was doing it. Yeah. (laughs) So the nerd in me wanted to learn about the Enneagram and learn about myself. But then when I became a coach, when I got certified, you if you read the book, you read my story about how I got cold feet. I'm like, is this really what I want to do? Um, I'm not really sure. I, I really resist. It's like, uh, I'm not sure if I even want to be called an Enneagram coach, but apparently that's what everybody knows me as. So I'm going to spin it the way that that feels good to me. Like that's core to me. That That's my motivation, my strengths and, and my values, which is Find the box so you know you can get out of it. Yeah. If, you, if you don't even know that you're in a box, you don't know what direction to go. Like, is there a door? Is there a window? Can I, is there a trap door underneath? Or do I need to go grab that ladder that's sitting in the corner and climb it and get up on the roof? And so I really use the Enneagram more for personal development as a survival tool as opposed to a relationship tool. Because once we get in touch with all of those pieces of us, not only do we feel more relaxed, like there's less anxiety, there's less triggering um, because there's more empathy and more compassion for other people. And even in my social media, my love-hate relationship with social media, (laughs) what I'm learning is that, okay, nine acknowledgement languages, I'm a type seven, I am emotion blind. And there's so much about marketing that is emotion-based. And I couldn't get in touch with that because I never got in touch with that in myself. And then when I realized, oh, that's a blind spot of mine, I need to get in touch with that emotional side of me so that I can connect with other people. I'm going to lose two-thirds of the people that I get in touch with if if I am not in touch with that for myself. And that's, that's another great piece of self-awareness. And, and, you know, it's interesting. We all see people who are naturally good at things and, or have a knack for them or, the, you know, their, their strengths and, 
and things that are in their DNA. And, um, and it's interesting, you know, I, I mentioned how marketing just sort of came naturally to me. And, and again, it's probably because of my Enneagram type and because of, you know, where my, the blind spots that I, or the, what would be the opposite of the blind spots, the stuff I see, <laughs> you know, and for me, emotion is a big one. And that's, and that's probably part of why it comes naturally, but you're right. Once you are able to rise above that and see the other part, now you've got all the tools and it can all come together and be so powerful in whatever we're trying to achieve. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I, I wish more people use the Enneagram in this way, like solely to get in touch with the different parts. So the, the people who are really, like I'm really thought-based and belief-based. And so I have to be intentional to go to my heart center and look at emotions, especially the negative ones, like happy yeah. emotions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happy emotions, I'm all for, bring them on. But yeah. those, those negative ones and what is marketing? Like there's pain points and what are you struggling with? Because I'm here to help you. Like, how can I help you if I don't know what you're struggling with? And I've had coaches say, well, what did you struggle with, Jen? I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember because I'm also <laughs> past blind. That's my that's another blind spot of mine. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember. And please don't make me sit and remember it because I don't, it's in the past and it was probably emotional. <laughs> <laughs> well, blind spots, I'll tell you, I think are tough for a lot of people. I mean, I am somebody who, I, I'm one of those people who likes to be right. And so if you ask my opinion on something and I have not researched it, I'll, I'll be one of those people who say, well, I don't know, what do you think? Or I'll get back to you or whatever it might be. Cause I don't like being wrong. Um, as I've matured, I've, you know, learned to deal with it and stuff like that. But man, I remember being in my teens and twenties and it was just like, you know, I, I would not give an opinion on anything until I was convinced that it was the right opinion or a fact or whatever it might be. I don't like being wrong. And so, um, the, idea of a blind spot is uncomfortable for people like me just automatically because it's, you know, one, it's like, what do you mean there's stuff I don't know, <laughs> you know, or I don't see? And two, it's acknowledging, oh my God, I might be wrong about this, you know? And so that whole idea of a blind spot, but at the same time, I think it's so empowering to acknowledge, you know, to use your word, acknowledge that it's there and and realize it because like you said, you know, as soon as you started acknowledging the heart centered part of, you know, the way humans are, your marketing got better, right? Because you were able to tap into that. So, but it's tough sometimes people don't want to believe that there are blind spots, especially if you're a little stubborn and, and believe that, and you want to be right. And it's not that I believe other people aren't right. I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of person that wants to debate somebody for the sake of debating. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to be so confident that I'm right, that I can back it up at least, you know, so you'll rarely even hear me say, well, I think it's this, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll just, <laughs> I'll just give a non-answer until I can, you know, go all in on it. Yeah. Um, not that I'm analyzing or anything, but I'm eliminate. I'm doing the process of elimination. <laughs> Based <laughs> on our conversation? Yeah. Well, I just read your book, so I'm heavily swayed, obviously, by what has, is most recently in my mind, too. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I've never, I've never gone through the whole process of eliminating. But as I was reading parts of the book, I was like, okay, yeah, this, this feels like that. But I would also read some of, like, yeah, as you teach I would, and coach, I would also read the other ones to kind of, you know, think like, okay, that definitely doesn't sound like, my, you know, the elimination process. 
yeah. as opposed to this sounds like me. That's me. I'm I'm this number. And some of the ways, how I teach my coaches that go through the coach certification to use the Enneagram, because honestly, most of the people that I coach don't even know their number. Some of them don't even know the Enneagram. So, Hmm. which is why I struggled with calling myself an Enneagram coach. And even my Enneagram um, typing packages are not a typical typing package. Like our main goal is not necessarily to sit down and figure out what type you are. It is what comes out in the process. Um, but it's more of life coaching than it is typing. And then the typing comes out in the process. And sometimes people come back and sometimes people don't, because sometimes it's, it's hard to really look at what it means, what type you are. It's not like a test where it's like, oh, here are my results. Ha ha ha. Let's move on. Right. And so, um, So the people who really want to do the work, they're the ones that come back and they get so much more than just their type. And so when I'm teaching the coaches that go through my certification, I show them how they can start the process of elimination up here. And it's not necessarily to type them because not everybody is going to be an Enneagram coach because it's a life coaching, professional coach certification that's rooted in the Enneagram. And so the coaches learn the Enneagram so that they can do the mental process of elimination of what is going to best help guide the person that's sitting in front of them. For example, if I know that the person in front of me is fast paced and not slow paced (laughs) or let's go the other direction because I'm a fast paced person. (laughs) (laughs) So if I know the person that's in front of me, that is a slow paced person, there are certain coaching skills that I don't need to pull out of my gear. Right. Um, There's certain processes that I don't need to pull out because they're not, they're not going to be a good fit for that person. It doesn't mean that I know that that person is a nine or a four or a five. It's just, I'm seeing that that's where they are and they're harnessing that kind of energy. And depending on where we are in our current situation, stress versus security, we can behave like any of the numbers. And so it's so much easier to coach to a person based on, um, where their ladder is, which library they're visiting. Since you've read the book where I talk about, we can visit other libraries and and check out books, which are behaviors from other types. It's so much easier to coach them based off of where they currently are versus what their Enneagram type is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. No, entirely. Because that's, that's what they need in that moment. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's why you're, you're covering that in that moment. And by the way, I also love the ladder analogy of, you know, getting up high to, you know, getting out of your box and seeing the other boxes, visiting libraries, all of that. And I don't know if you've seen um, the science behind getting up high to look at things, but there's, there's, and I don't know the science behind it very well, other than what I'll paraphrase right now. But basically, if you are feeling overwhelmed or stuck or buried, physically, getting your body somewhere up high, and it could be going onto the a balcony if you have an overlook or the roof of your house, or like I like to go hike up a mountain, um, but literally just getting up high, 
physically lets you sort of rise above, like mentally, it lets you rise above everything that's overwhelming you and get perspective. And it's not like I climb up to the hop, top of a hill and I go, oh, there's the problem I need to solve. But there's something about the brain science that when you get up high where you can overlook things with a view, and you could probably just even do it on a ladder, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking down on things and, and your brain is able to do the same thing. And once I learned that, the clarity that came around that as I would get up high when I felt stuck or overwhelmed was amazing. And then I thought back and th there was this one um, chunk of my, you know, business where it was, you know, during the pandemic, this was summer 2020. And we had some uh, friends that were going to be just traveling back east for six weeks. And they said, do you want to use our house as an office? I was like, sure, that sounds great. You know, beats working at home with the kids and the noise and all of that. And so I got to work out of their house and they have this in Seattle, this amazing view overlooking Lake Washington. And I didn't know this brain science at the time, but I had so much clarity and a clear picture on everything that I needed. And I felt so good about my business and everything that I was doing for that six weeks. You know, I had my, one of my biggest launches ever that I, that I was working out of this house. And once I learned that, I was like, I wonder if it's because I was, you know, every day I'd go out and I'd stand on their balcony and I'd overlook the lake. And it was like, ah, so so I love the ladder for that as well, because it does it not only gets you out of your box, but it, it, the, it fits perfectly with that brain science where you get to look around and see all of the other libraries or personality types and decide where you need to be and what library you need to borrow from, to use your words. I love that. I love that so much. In fact, one of the things that's on my vision board right now is a balcony, like building a balcony <laughs> off of the the window of my, um, so my bedroom's on the second floor. Uh -huh. uh, it's the main floor, but it's on the second floor, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I, that's, that's on my vision board is, is a balcony. And I've told people like, I don't care where I go on vacation, as long as it has a balcony. And, <laughs> and then I, you, then you said roof. And I'm thinking about, you know, as a kid, I used to crawl out of my window and just sit up on the roof. That's yeah. all I did. And then here's another Lego. This didn't make it into the book, but here's another Lego illustration of a mountain. So this is supposed to be the Enneagram here. Okay. And our goal is to climb up the mountain to get up here. Because as we come up here, we have more, not only can we see all the other types, um, even if they're at the base of the mountain, it doesn't matter where they are in their journey. We can see them when we're at the top of the mountain. And as we rise, it's almost like our, the microcosm of our own personal Enneagram uh, shrinks. And so we have easier access to those pieces of us. And, um, and so my whole imagery is about climbing a mountain. So I, I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. And I, and it, it comes from the, the person who I heard it from, who was one of my mentors. It comes from the, the Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler, uh, which I have not read. I, it's one of those books that I bought and not read yet, but I will at some point. But it is, you know, it, it's so strong for me that I literally get up every morning and I go hike up this partway up this mountain near my house and not to the top. Um, you know, it's about 45 minutes round trip, but it's high enough that I can stop, turn around, look at the view, take 10 deep breaths and come back down. And every day I feel so clear about exactly what I need to do. And so, so the latter was the perfect uh, analogy for that. So I love that that was part of your, your system in the book. Thank you so much for making that connection. I'm excited because we live in a hilly neighborhood and 
I'm we're in the valley and I always want to go up to the top but of course it's hard and I'm a little out of shape so now I'm more motivated yeah to go do that now because <laughs> now it makes a lot more sense it's, it's more rooted in my core now that I go back and think about even as far back as my childhood, tree houses. I was a tree house person. Yep. Um, I climbed trees. So like a lot of this is making sense to me as as you were describing that to me. It just started just started clicking. So yay. Fun. Well, and clarity for anybody is one of the greatest feelings in the world, right? And for somebody like you and I, you know, we've we've invested in programs or coaches or things sometimes, and they literally help us get clarity on one thing. And no matter how much we paid, we're like, oh, so worth it. Worth that it. was amazing, right? And <laughs> yeah. it wasn't what you signed up for the program for necessarily or whatever it might be. And, and it's so powerful. And clarity is, is one of the best feelings. And it's just, so there is, you know, there's brain science behind getting up high that can bring you clarity, you know, no matter what you're struggling with. And if you're, if you're afraid of heights, I don't know how to, you know, how you would, would do that. And I, I recently got um, one of those uh, VR headsets. And I was like, I wonder if I could just like simulate this, you know, put on the VR goggles and and in a flying game or something. And it's not the same. It's it didn't work. <laughs> no. I was like, hmm, I could try that too for the yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll work for you. I mean, I, I I don't have any science or study behind it, but for me, it wasn't quite the same as actually, you know, being up high. But it doesn't require climbing up a mountain. It can be, you know, a balcony with a view or the top of the hill or, you know, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't even require climbing. You could drive to, you know, most areas have a park that's at the top of a hill or something like that. You can drive there yeah. and just, and just spend a few minutes and it, it can be really, really powerful. That's good. I cannot wait to share that with my kids. I think they would really, really like, especially the one who's um, the VR guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he re would really, really appreciate that. You know, and it's interesting that you brought up if you're afraid of heights, I'm not sure how that's going to work because I used to be really afraid of heights and I probably still am. Um, Weren't you tossed in the air as a cheerleader yeah. in college? Isn't okay. that funny? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Going up is not the problem. It's coming down. <laughs> and, well, I, that's true. So if you're getting thrown in the air, then coming down at that point, it's like, oh, I'm afraid of this. Oh, well, <laughs> like, there's yeah. not much you can do at that point. There have been moments where I got at the top of a basket toss and freaked out. Um, really? Yeah. In that fraction of a second. Yeah. I, I may or may not have broken someone's nose and someone else's thumb in the process. <laughs> may or may not have. But, you know, you learn um, or, or you learn to not do basket tosses with certain guys that can throw you really, really high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're too yeah. strong. I need somebody to you're too strong. Um let me let me go with this other couple over here. <laughs> as much as I hate to skirt on the momentum of this episode, this was the best place for us to break. If you haven't gotten your copy of the book yet, head over to go.unboxenneagram.com slash book for the ebook or the paper copy. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified about part two. There's kind of a blooper reel, kind of behind the scenes, random little snippets that you're not going to want to miss. So in that episode, I'm going to continue to unbox myself and unleash more of my power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how 
you are different so you can make your difference.